as soon as my mic comes on. Um, you know, obviously we live in a postmodern world today. We live in a place where not everybody tells the truth, or they tell their version of the truth, which may be loosely based on the actual truth or whatever it is. And so, just out of curiosity, how many of you guys maybe struggle with the truth just a tad? Just a little bit? How many of you guys don't struggle with truth at all? Okay, you guys are awesome, okay. Um, when it comes to trusting then, which is a, an effect of telling the truth, how many of you guys trust a lot of people? More than five. Anybody trust more than, implicitly, more than five people? How many trust more than 10 people in their life, implicitly? 15? Holy cow, that's the most we've had so far today. It's fantastic. Um, it's good to be in, a, in, in have relationships where you can trust lots of people. But just to show you that we just struggle a little bit, how many of you guys trust implicitly the federal government all the time? Just show of hands. Okay, one up here. Okay, good. How, how many of you guys trust um, the nightly news television station? Anybody always trust that? Newspapers, radios. How many of you guys always trust um, air conditioner repairmen, uh, mechanics, um, the person at the Dillard's or whoever? I mean, when they're running up their thing. The, the reality is... We have trust issues when it comes to so many people in our lives. Sometimes we have 5 to 10 to 15, which is fantastic, people that we just trust. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip that. And usually, for most of us, we have, we have versions of trust. We, we have, I'll trust you 90%, or I'll trust you 95%. I just can't trust you in this one area, or whatever. Now, I'm going to flip that question a little bit. How many people, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, are you completely honest with? and never hold anything back, and never deceive, and never stretch the truth, or never give hard truths to because you don't want it to get confusing. How many people are you completely honest with? And my assumption in most cases is that that's less than the number of people that we actually trust. That's what we're going to be taking a look at today. How do we develop trust? We're in the middle of this series called The ABCs of Relationship. We're actually on D today, developing trust. And in all these things, and this one especially, is just another secret on how to build a deeper relationship with somebody in your life. We've talked so far in the series about authenticity, and that's being truthful or honest about who we are or what we're bringing to the table, right? We've talked about vulnerability and how important that is and how scary that is. And today we're going to talk about how do you build credibility into your relationship. Now, the word credibility, I guess, is kind of funny when you talk about relationships. It's more something you think of getting at a bank than in a relationship. I mean, just think of that romantically. Can you just imagine somebody wrapping their arms around, me, around you and saying, you're so credible, you know, and you're thinking, ooh, just the feelings that would come from that. It's just exciting, you know, and it, it would just fill your heart, I'm sure, but it's interesting on a strange twist on words. Uh, today, we'd rather have somebody say that we're incredible than that we're credible. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So what does credibility really mean, and why are we talking about it when we're talking about relationships? And the answer is because credibility has everything to do with trust. The more credible you are, the more I trust what it is that you say. The more credible in more areas of your life you are, the more I will trust you in more areas of, of my life or your life than I would otherwise. And so we're going to take a look at this. How do you become more credible? How do you build trust back into a relationship? Because all of us, just, out of, just I guess just a, one more question. How many of you have ever been lied to and it's hurt? Anybody have that happen? Reality is that everybody here has had that happen. And so we've all had relationships where we need to reestablish trust in, right? 
We've all had relationships where that's been hard, and sometimes we get hurt so many times, we just go to a default and say, I'm not going to trust you at all ever again, and you'll never hurt me again. For some, we do, I'll trust you 50%, 90%, and so on, but we've all had to figure out how to redevelop trust when somebody's lied to us or let us down or hurt us. In fact, if there's any relationship in your life, maybe it's a marriage or a friendship or somebody at work, maybe it's with your kids, any relationship that's not going anywhere, I promise you, the reason is because there's no trust in that relationship, okay? And, but if you'll put trust in, if you'll fuel it with just a little bit of trust, you can get it off center, it can start moving again in a positive direction. That's what building trust can do for a relationship. It goes from no trust to trust, and now all of a sudden you're being more honest with each other and you're moving forward. And so how do we put more trust back into these relationships that are important to us but we fear we have lost? And God gives us three things to think about this morning from his word, and I'm just going to give you them. The first one's going to seem somewhat obvious, but I'm going to start with it anyway because common sense isn't always that common. But here's the first one. To build trust back into relationship, first of all, we have to talk honestly, right? Talk with honesty. So if I want to build trust obviously, the first place I have to start is by talking honestly with the people in my life. In Leviticus 19.11, and most of you remember from the Bible, it says, do not lie. It's one of God's big ten, right? Right up there with do not murder, do not commit adultery. He says, do not lie. For those of you that went through confirmation or, or the NIV Bible, it says, do not bear false witness, right? Against your neighbor, same thing. Do not lie. Why is this so important? Why did God put it in the Big Ten? Why does he care so much if we're honest with each other? It's even more confusing as we live in a postmodern world. But it's because God knows the damage a lie can do to a relationship. See, in relationships, we still care if somebody's telling the truth. We're still hurt by the dishonesty. We're still hurt when somebody doesn't tell us the truth and they know it and they just withhold it. We, we, we feel every lie in piece of dishonesty and God knows how much that devastates a relationship, how much it can hurt. And God knows, too, that lies are always told in the absence of trust. If I can't trust you and you feel like you can't trust me, well, that, there's where we begin to lie. In a movie like Mission Impossible, anybody see that? I'm a big action buff. If you like movies, go see that on... Um, of the IMAX. It's just, it's incredible. I almost got a headache. It was so cool. So anyway, but I just encourage it. But in that movie, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to bust any bubbles if you go see it there, but in that movie, Tom Cruise and the whole cast, they're just lying to each other all the time, right? You don't know who you can trust. It's, it's part of the spy action thriller that it is, and it makes for an amazing movie. It really does. But I would venture to guess that some of you have, oh, secret agent marriages or secret agent uh, friendships, right? Where you spend so much time and energy trying to hide the truth that there isn't much time or energy left to tell the truth. And that's the truth, right? And so you start asking, where am I going to find it? The strength, the, the, the way to, to rebuild this trust in this relationship. And so God goes on, he says, if you're going to continue to rebuild this trust, if you're going to talk with honesty, it has to start somewhere, right? And I want to be real practical as I go through this series today, as we talk about these things. It's one thing to talk about honesty, right? But it's, the question is, where is it going to start? How does it begin? And the answer is always this. It begins with one honest talk. Just one. Just somebody getting vulnerable and saying, I'm just going to tell you what's been going on or what I'm struggling with or what the issue is. Maybe you're thinking right now, I need to talk with this person in my life because I've just let things go too long. There's an elephant in the room or there's things that they don't know that's, that's hindering our relationship from moving forward. 
And maybe it's your husband or your wife or your kids or somebody at work. But right now the thought is telling you, I've got to talk to this person. I've got to make this right. And you're left with, how do I, how do I go about that? As you're thinking about that person, as you're thinking about actually going and talking to them, I'm going to give you some things. I'll give you three things that God gives us on what an honest talk actually looks like. And again, the first one's going to seem somewhat obvious, but the honest talk is first and foremost, it's truthful. Obviously, right? I love this verse from Proverbs 24, verse 26. It says this, An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And I like that verse. It reminds me that intimacy and, and honesty that they go together, that you can't have one without the other. And so an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And so if you want intimacy, you can't have it without honesty in your relationship. That's, that's one of the things that's killing the intimacy in marriages because people are just aren't telling the other person what's going on. You can't have intimacy without honesty, and that means the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I think there's a lot of reasons why we avoid, too, telling the truth, why we're dishonest in relationships. I, I, I don't think... Um, it's always, or even most, most often, because we're being devious or deceitful or trying to intentionally hide things or, or confuse things. But, but we find ourselves, I think, being not dishonest most of the time just because we don't want to hurt the other person. We find ourselves being dis- dishonest because we don't want to rock the boat. <laughs> the boat may be sinking, but, boy, we don't want to rock it any further. We don't want it to sink faster. We get afraid. And so we tell ourselves, you know, I'll do it someday. You know, someday I'll do it. I'll have that talk when the time is right. But we never do. And God says the time is never more right than it is right now. It'll never be easier to have an honest talk with this person in your life than it is right now, today. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's probably not going to be easy. But it's never going to be easier than it is today. Why? Because the longer you wait, the harder it gets. The longer you wait, the bigger it gets. The longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes. Because why? You've let so much time go in between now and when you share it. God says, do it now. Have that talk today. I'm not saying that when you have this honest talk, again, it'll be easy because it's not. That's part of the reason why we have feared having the talk in the first place. We know that when we have the talk, there's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some bumps that we have to deal with and get past. But that's part of the reason we have the talk, right? It's what makes the relationship deeper, the fact that we were both willing to go through this tunnel of chaos, this this difficult conversation. And we were both invested enough to get to the other side because we didn't quit. And so that's one of the things. Another thing that makes for an honest talk is it's thoughtful, Speaking the truth in love, in other words, in Ephesians 4, verse 15, Paul says, some people speak the truth, but they don't speak it in love. In other words, truthful is not always thoughtful. Some people, I think, use the truth like a missile, right? They aim it at you, and, you, you know, and they hit you, and you're crying because you just weren't ready for the truth. And, but God says when you're truthful, you take the time to think about what you're saying. And you try to say it in the most caring, most loving way that you can. The truth does sometimes hurt, but it doesn't have to maim or kill or destroy. When you tell someone the truth, tell it in love. And then finally, a, a truthful, honest talk, it looks, has to be clear. That's what we get from Jesus when he starts talking about this. He says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one has to be clear. I love that one. Whenever I'm talking to people about, you know, saying I'm sorry and and I forgive you, one of the things I have to teach them is that I'm sorry is the purest form of an apology. When you say I'm sorry but, 
You're adding your reasoning for why you sinned in the first place. That comes from the evil one, not from Jesus. So I'm sorry, period, is an apology. I'm sorry, but, is not an apology, because you just took away your apology with the but. You can't also say things like this. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, or I'm sorry you're so messed up. An apology doesn't have your in it. An apology has I in it. What she meant to say is, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry for what I did. Anything else, Jesus says, comes from the evil one. So it has to be clear, and communication is such a funny thing today, right? It's so confusing. There's so much going on. There's so many ways that we can miss what somebody's trying to say. Number, the number one reason people's feeling gets hurt in the church or at work or, or anywhere in life is because of miscommunication. One person thinks one thing happened, another person thinks another thing happened, and now there's hurt feelings. We live in a society today where it takes a 37-page document to say one thing, to make sure it's all legal. Don't bring that into the relationship. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be clear about what you're saying. It's not honest to veil the truth and ambiguity. In fact, you remember the old situational comedy, Get Smart, and they had this cone of silence thing, right? Remember this some com kind of comical bubble plastic thing came down over two people, and they were supposed to be able to talk in this thing without anybody else hearing, but the funny thing was is they couldn't hear each other in this cone of silence, so they're yelling on the top of their lungs. They can't barely hear everybody else in the room. The comedy part was they could hear the conversation, but they couldn't hear the conversation. I think the reality is that some of you have a cone of silence over some of your relationships right now. Everybody's yelling, but nobody's hearing. You're talking at, but you're not talking to. And there's no real communication going on as a result, and someone has to lift that cone of silence. And it happens when just one person decides, this is crazy, I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take a risk and be honest so that we can get out of this. So ask yourself, whom do you need to tell the truth to today? Ask God right now, God, would you give me the courage to tell the truth? Because if you don't, if you don't build trust back into this relationship, the relationship is just going to stay right where it is or it's going to go backwards. To build trust, you have to talk with honesty. God goes on and he gives us a second piece on how to rebuild trust in relationships, and it's this. We have to get to a place where we understand the other person's perspective. It's hard, right? Not just the way that you're looking at, but that's what happens. In the middle of an argument, the only way you can see is your way. Right? When you get in the middle of a difficult relationship, all you can see is your way. And your way, you're pretty sure, is the right way in the midst of those times. But that doesn't help communication, and it doesn't help working through things. See, respect and trust are always built when I understand the other person's perspective. In Philippians 2.4, Paul says it this way. He says this, Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Notice this. If you're only interested in yourself, how are you ever going to build trust? Right? Who trusts the person who only cares about his own stuff, who's only interested in themselves? You're always worried they're going to you know, finagle something on the other side, right? But you begin to show interest in others, and as you do, you begin to build trust back into the relationship. It's a hard thing, but when I can begin to see why you do what you do, it helps me communicate more clearly the difference between us. I think a practical way to do this is this next verse. I'm just encouraging you to, to begin to show interest in people this week. In Romans 12, 15, Paul says this, When others are happy, be happy with them. When they're sad, share their sorrow. I think sometimes we get that reversed. 
pretty well. You know, we try to, especially in marriage, you know, somebody comes in and they're sad, they had a tough day, and we immediately try to do what? Cheer them up. You should be happy. Everything's okay. It's not as bad as you think. And we try to cheer them up instead of just being sad with them. We say, cheer up. Or somebody will come in totally happy. They had a really great day. They're, they're, they're bouncing off the ceilings. It's great, but you had a bad day, and you don't like that they had such a good day. So they come in, and you don't say, cheer up. You say, chill out. And have you ever found yourself bursting somebody's bubble and later asking, you know, why did I do that? You know, it's hard to share the perspective. I, I had an interesting conversation with my oldest daughter, and, and she actually exemplified this in a cool way. She, one of her buddies was, was just really hurting this week, and, and she was struggling, and she was sad. It was just visibly sad um, at school, and, and just kind of, kind of isolated herself far off. And, and, and her and her other buddy were talking, and, and her friends just say, just leave her alone. She just needs some time. But, but Katie decided just to go over there and sit with her. And just be quiet, but just sit next to her. And, you know, five, ten minutes into that, this friend began to talk, you know. She was sad when this person was sad. She was there. And in that just being there with her, it communicated to her friend that she cared. She didn't know what to say, but that she cared. And that she was available and that she didn't have to go, this by, through, go through this by herself. And that's what God calls us to do, to try to find that perspective of the other person so that we show them interest, so that we show that we care what they're going through. It's as we do that, that we show them that we care about them. And then the last thing that builds, rebuilds trust, and you won't like this one at all, but it's just the reality, and that is that it takes time. It takes time to trust, and it takes time to rebuild trust. And, and, when, we, and when it takes time, that simply means we just have to have patience, right? It's one thing for it to take time with us, right? Because we can sometimes speed that along and just decide we're going to trust the other person and just do that quickly. But what about when we hurt somebody else? It also means being patient enough to let them walk through their struggle and learning to trust you again. And that's harder. That's why the Bible says be patient with everybody. We have to be patient with everyone because everybody needs our patience. And that's why one of the greatest qualities that you can give somebody, one of the greatest qualities of love is, is to be patient. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, as Paul outlines all that love is, he starts, love is patient. And it takes time to rebuild that trust. It just takes time. And just like God is patient with me, and just like God is patient with you, and can you just imagine how much patience that takes? He encourages and he challenges and he strengthens us to be patient with others. And that's hard, and we don't want to do it. But we do it because we value the relationship. We do that because we know with God we can get to the other side. And here's the result of that kind of love, that kind of perseverance, of that kind of patience. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, Paul goes on. He says, this kind of love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. You might say to me, you know, Pastor, I've had people tell me that they love me. I thought they loved me. But they gave up on me. They left. They lost faith in me. They weren't hopeful. They didn't endure through the toughest circumstances of life. They just bailed. And so look again at this word love. And we're not talking here about our love. Our love is weak. We, we can barely love the people in, immediately in our family at times. But the Bible reminds us that this is God's love for us, shown through us to other people, Right? 
That's what the word means here, that, that God infuses us with this power to care and to love other people in our life, even the imperfect people in our life, which we are one and I am one. That's where that strength comes from, to continue to persevere in hope when things are hard. And I realize full well as we go through this, you know, that each one of these items that we talk about today, they're hard and they take a risk, right? It risks something to talk about the thing that you haven't talked about. Each of these items require a, a great degree of risk in order to trust. It's a risk to have an honest talk. You don't know how they're going to respond. It's a risk to respect somebody else. You don't know if they'll respect you back. It's a risk to understand their perspective. You have no assurance that they'll understand yours. It's a risk to take the time to be patient. But if you'll take those risks, God can do anything. If you don't take those risks, they're gonna, your relationship is going to stay exactly where it is. It will never deepen. It will never change. It will get stuck right where it is. And if your relationship with your, your spouse or your kids or your friendship is ever going to change, then somebody, they have to start by taking that risk. And my encouragement today is that person would be you. You know, remember when I taught, when I, when I give these sermons, it's, it's not for your neighbor or for your spouse or for your buddy at work. I mean, it's great if you pass the messages on, but, but every time you come to church, you have to imagine that God has something to say to you. And if you want change in any of those relationships, it's got to start with you. My encouragement is that you would take that risk today. I say that because Jesus Christ came to this earth, and when he did, he took an emotional risk. He took a relational risk by living for us and dying for us before we even knew him, before we knew him at all. And he said, I love you this much, and he stretched out his arms and his hands, and he died on a cross to say, I want to have a relationship with you forever. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen because of our sin, because of our messed upness. He needed to send Jesus to make that possible. And so he took the first step. Somebody asked me, how do you trust God's promises? And I say, you always start by trusting his forgiveness, trusting it because of Jesus, that every sin that you've ever done, every mistake, every dumb thing, every word that you've said can be forgiven because of the blood of Christ, that he gives you that fresh start, that he gives you that new beginning, and then unencumbered by so much of the guilt of the past, you can move forward. God calls us to trust in his forgiveness, to trust in his guidance, to trust in his love, to trust that he wants to be part of our life right now today. And no matter what, we've been going through this relational series, but no matter if it's trying to fix a relationship or overcome some issue in your life or, or, or no matter what it is, it always starts with trusting Jesus, right? Trusting his words are true. And then once grabbing hold of them, watching what he does. It's trusting when things look horrible and hard. It's trusting when we're scared. It's trusting when we want to do one thing, but God says, no, I want to protect you. I want to do this. And it's where peace and joy, it's where the miracles are seen. My encouragement is trust Jesus more and trust him today. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. God, you're awesome. And again, as we've been going through this series on relationships, there's, there's plenty of people in our lives that we, that we hurt for or that we're hurting about. And so we begin, Lord, just by praying for them and praying, Lord, that you'd give them patience with us. And Father, we just confess to you all the things that we've said, all the things that we've done. And, 
And Lord, we're just, we're racked with guilt because of them. And so we give them to you, Lord, and say we're sorry. And Father, give them patience to walk us through this. Give them patience to get us to this other side so that we don't lose what has been so valuable. And then, Lord, we pray for us. We pray, give us patience too. Give us patience to get through the next few days. Give us the patience and forgiveness necessary to begin the reconciliation process. Give us the patience and strength we need to continue on. But Father, be with us too. And as we pray both these things, Lord, we pray that you would heal the relationships in our life. And we pray that today in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.